Let us pray. Gracious Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we may hear your word with joy, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from the book of Psalm, chapter 90, verses 1 through 6 and 13 through 17. Listen for the word of the Lord. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever, you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. You turn us back to dust and say, turn back, you mortals. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday, when it is past or like a watch in the night. You sweep them away. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. Turn, O Lord, how long? Have your compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, so that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad as many days as you have afflicted us and as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be manifest to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and prosper for us the work of our hands. O oh, prosper the work of our hands. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen and good morning. The New Testament reading comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Listen again for the word of the Lord. You yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our coming to you was not in vain, but through, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had courage in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in spite of great opposition. For our appeal does not spring from deceit or impure motives or trickery, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the message of the gospel, even so we speak, not to please mortals, but to please God who tests our hearts. As you know, and as God is our witness, we never came with words of flattery or with a pretext for greed. Nor do we seek praise from mortals, whether from you or from others, though we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nurse tenderly caring for her own children, so deeply do we care for you that we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit that as your word is proclaimed, 
we may hear what you are saying to us today. Now let the words of your servant's mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, through Christ. Amen. The sermon title this morning is, We Must Bear a Great Witness. In our text, Paul and his missionaries, Silas and Timothy, who founded the church at Thessalonica, sent a letter to remind the church of the authority and power of their witness. God had chosen Paul and his ministry team to be an example of imitators of Christ, even in the face of persecution, in the power of the Holy Spirit. The people of the area and those who became part of the church heard and saw for themselves the fruit of their message. The Mediterranean world sounded the trumpet of Christ because of their ministry and preaching. Paul thought their ministry was under attack, which might jeopardize the advances made there for the gospel. This is why Paul affirms in verse 1, You yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our coming to you was not in vain. He was giving a defense of their ministry and character to distinguish them from the traveling philosophers, magicians, and religious enthusiasts who had made a livelihood from public speaking. The philosophers could argue both sides to the hearer's delight. The false prophets could shift their beliefs according to the audience's desires. Many philosophies that floated around then and even today can capture our attention away from growing more deeply in love with Christ. Their appeal was often flattery, self-satisfaction, and greed. Paul didn't want these young Christians to imitate the wrong folks. We have probably heard the popular proverb, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. But there was another defense of their ministry. False teachers didn't have to be committed or could walk away or turn away or even shrink if the pressure got too great. Paul relayed that his team stayed the course by carrying the gospel during and after difficult times. He said in verse two, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully mistreated at Philippi. Courage can be brutal, and Philippi was no cakewalk. Philippi had a lasting impression on Paul and Silas, literally and physically. Their mistreatment is detailed in Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 40, where a fortune teller slave girl cried out that these men Paul and Silas were slaves to the Most High God. They were chased down, captured, dragged in the streets, stripped, beaten with rods, thrown into the deepest part of the prison, and their feet shackled, ultimately to be run out of the city. I cannot imagine the horror or psychological and physical brutality of not knowing if I would live or die based on my beliefs in Christ. Paul was saying that a mere unspiritual person would have been stunted 
from further preaching. Those who came in the name of human desires or deception would surely turn tail and run in the face of persecution. Sometimes we can get enough pushback in our Christian journeys, in our jobs, our homes, our closest relationships, where fear can steal our zeal for the Lord. Paul did not want the church to be distracted by new philosophies or impacted by the persecution that would surely come. So Paul reminded the Thessalonians in this letter that he, Silas, and Timothy's coming was in full ongoing power of God. Their faithfulness in the face of opposition was a strong affirmation of their genuine and pure motives. We have all heard war stories and maybe told some ourselves of how we conquered this or that in the face of hurdles and overcame it with our strength and ingenuity. For generations, grandfathers have told us stories about how they've walked five miles uphill to school both ways in the snow and with no shoes on their feet six days a week to get a good education. And if we put our minds to it, we could do the same. Often, in our Western context, we feel as if we can just muster, if we can just muster up the strength to push through the trouble, we'd be all right. This mentality reminds me of the saying, when the going gets tough, the tough get going, meaning when the situation becomes difficult, the strong will work harder to meet the challenge. The herald's courage in enduring suffering came not from self-reliance and strength, but from the pure love and affection of Christ, seeking to please God with their conduct and message. When others would fudge their way through one way or another or trim their sails, God gave Paul's team courage because God approved what they were doing and how they did it. It was the recognition that their message and actions were the realization of God as our God. Verse 2, as you know, we had courage in our God to declare to you the gospel of God. Their courage in suffering for the gospel's sake was evidence that God had commissioned them for the task. They had been approved by God to be entrusted with the message of the gospel. To be approved by God was to have been examined, tested, and chosen to bear witness to the message of God. Only in God's approval of their ministry could Paul, Silas, and Timothy have such boldness. In their courage of God's love, no walls were too high or persecution so great that it would keep them silent on the gospel. Even in life's burdens, we must know that God has authorized and strengthened us to carry a word of hope in a time of need. Is there anything holding you back from sharing the good news? When we trust in God, we will know the power 
of the message of God. There are lots of things that we might not know, but as believers, this is one thing we must know. We must know the power of God's word. The Thessalonians must have known there was some value in Paul's team's travels to Thessalonica, but he wanted to make sure that they knew the source of it. Paul knew that the Thessalonian church knew that he and his friend's coming was not a waste of anyone's time because it had accomplished God's mission even amid persecution. It can be easy to forget what God has done for us in the face of life's most difficult challenges. Abuse, trauma, and suffering of all sorts, or whatever the struggle may be, can harden our perspectives of the past and can also weaken or challenge our faith today. Rage can blind our hearts. Holes in our souls can weaken us for the race and excess baggage can weigh us down. But looking to God during persecution helps us to remember that when the word came to us in the trials and tribulations of our hearts, it was not in vain, but in transformation power. We ought to be attentive to God's presence around us and be able to name God's work, God's provision of good health and strength for this day, a kind smile or a helping hand unexpectedly, especially when times are tough. This will help us not to overlook God's daily bread when God might seem silent. We must ask God for discernment to sense his grace that we might reveal that we might see a revelation in life or experience someone else's story that might speak life into our situation. Paul also wanted the church to know that his team faced significant opposition, but their courage in God overcame their fear. In our present troubles, we must not trade God's power for silence in whatever we may be going through, whether rejection, illness, loneliness, or anxiety. Know that God's love and comfort are with us and God's goodness and guidance ultimately awaits us. Scripture can help us to remember that God is present with us in all situations and that we can look toward our faith for what God can do. When we know God's power and message for our lives, we can say like Job in Job 19 verse 25, for I know that my Redeemer lives. When we know the power of God's word and live in it, we can find boldness amid suffering. Great opposition did not stop these proclaimers from declaring God's word to the people of God. It inspired them, and their preaching was grounded in the gospel message. They made no room for flattery, greed, or desire to be a financial burden to the Thessalonians. Throughout history and the present, courageous preachers rooted in proclaiming God's word have been uninvited to preach because they chose the gospel 
at all costs. Microphones have been cut from high school and college students at graduation who seek to share their love for the Lord. The message of the gospel gives us boldness because, brothers and sisters, we have been entrusted with a powerful message and we cannot keep it to ourselves. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German preacher, theologian, and anti-Nazi protester, suffered on account of the gospel and his political stance. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was an American Baptist preacher and a spokesperson for the civil rights movement in the mid-50s until his assassination in 1968, and throughout, he endured hardship. Like Bonhoeffer, they had courage in the midst of suffering, but were not afraid to preach the good news. Like Paul's team and many courageous proclaimers of the world, we must see God as our God. When God becomes personal in our lives, it builds us up, fortifies our faith, gives us accountability to the word of God, and helps us to remain faithful in the storms of life. These great preachers not only preached the gospel in the face of opposition and persecution that eventually led to death, but their actions reflected the gospel. Our daily lives and actions should bear witness to God's love and the fruit of the Spirit in the world because of what God has done for us in the power of the Holy Spirit. How might we faithfully reflect the love of God and speak up for righteousness in our cultural context. In our love for the Lord, we must not only proclaim God's message to the world, we must give of ourselves. This is the real sacrifice. There is no take it or leave it attitude with the gospel, and it requires us to have a giving attitude for the sake of others. We are challenged to give of ourselves in a very meaningful way in these modern times. Things weren't much better pre-COVID. Even then, there were few personal letters or thank you cards sent out, most of which now have been replaced with a brief social media response via text, email, Instagram, or Facebook Messenger. Each day I learn about which platform is for the old folks and which are for the young folks. It can be hard to keep up. But Paul gives us some insight into how we are to love and support those in our community. We must look beyond ourselves and be as tender and compassionate as a nursing mother. We must take the time to feed and nurture others Gently seeing them as dear companions in the faith so that they might experience the love of God through our witness. We can do this by visiting the homebound, making a phone call to check up on someone we haven't seen in a while, or calling and doing a quick visitation. One can volunteer their time by helping to deliver flowers to our members or just checking in every now and again can go a long way 
to showing God's love and giving of ourselves. Praying for folks is always a profound way of sharing who we are in our faith as we care for others. Sacrificing our time for others reflects our understanding of what Christ did for us once and for all on the cross. Brothers and sisters, we are called to dare to tell the gospel message. Know that we have been approved and equipped by God to demonstrate the true love of Christ with boldness and joy. We must recognize that the power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that resurrects us into a new hope and new opportunities to carry God's love with us in our life's journey, regardless of what we are going through. Don't give up hope. So we must bear the greatest news ever. Bear it in our daily walk. Bear it in our talk. Bear it when it is easy and when life throws us knuckleballs. To bear great witness is a privilege in Christ because we have the help of our God who works within us so that we might have the strength to share the gospel news of Jesus Christ. To God be the glory. Amen.